I have been on a series here, and this is part five, eight things to remember during tough times. We've gotten through four. I thought we'd get through two. We'll do number five only tonight. But uh, um, uh, anyway, this is planned just to be just a singular, you know, teaching. And let me just share the background of the reason I'm sharing this. We're, we're going in some challenging times, and I'm just waiting for the signal. I haven't gotten it yet. Um, there are seven years of time that God showed Daniel that at some point are going to begin. That's the last seven years prior to Jesus Christ, our Messiah, returning. And those are, are some of the most difficult times on, on that, that the planet Earth has ever known. Uh, Daniel, somebody was reading Daniel 12 to me the other day and, and was mentioning, Daniel even mentioned how difficult that time would be later on in his writings there. Uh, but Jesus mentioned if that, uh, that time wasn't shortened, uh, you know, people generally call it the tribulation and then the great tribulation the last uh, few years of that time. And uh, he said, uh, if, if it wasn't shortened, nobody could even be spared. So it's just a challenging time. In the heels of that, I, um, I just know that life as we have known it is probably not going to go back that way. I don't think, so practically, let me talk practically. I don't think we're in that seven-year period, but we're really, really close because everything seems to be lining up with what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and what uh, John saw in Revelation 6 with the breaking of the seals on the scroll and all that. So it's really, really close. And uh, the, the world is being set up for uh, uh, to be a combined world, a one-world government. I've talked about that a lot. But just be aware of that. And uh, I don't like hardship. Do you? I like to have a good time, don't you? And uh, I like to play and have fun and laugh and joke. And I think in hard times, you can still play, joke, and have fun, don't you? Because, you know, you can't be just serious all the time. If you're serious all the time, something's wrong with you. <laughs> Lighten up. Let me just say, y'all don't know me. If y'all knew me, do I pick Susan? Uh, in my home, y'all think I'm this stilted pastor, you know. Everybody's got to do it right. When I got home, I, my kids, did we laugh, Sarah? We laughed, we joked, I sang nutty, crazy songs on the way to school, on the way back from school. We just did stuff. So you got to keep your heart joyful, right? And, but having said that, uh, we're going through some stuff. And I was just thinking, you know, Jesus said, uh, well, Paul said in Ephesians 5, uh, talking about Jesus comparing the relationship of a, of a husband and wife to the relationship that Jesus has to the church. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And, you know, during test times and trial times, as we found out, that's when the blemishes come to the surface and God kind of scoops, scoops them off. So could it be that just before we go into, into the tremendous glory of God and when the glory of God breaks out during the time that is to come, uh, that, that at the same time, God's purifying our character. He's cleaning us up. The glory of God comes on the church. We get lots of people saved. I mean, the Holy Spirit manifests in an amazing way, and then suddenly we're taken up, and then we're in heaven, and God has already cleansed us, prepared us, and made us ready to meet Jesus face to face. Isn't that awesome? 
So anyway, I'm talking about tests and trials, and this is uh, lesson number five. Uh, and the name of this one is God will make a way from you for you when the test is on. So uh, just a quick review. Character, again, is formed during tests and trials during the hard places um, we endure. And if you want to be used by God, you've got to be willing to go through some stuff. That's just the way it is. So if you don't, uh, you're going to go through some stuff anyway. So take advantage of the hard places in life. First Peter 5.10, I've mentioned this uh, several weeks. But after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus, will support, restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. When does that happen? After you suffer a little while. So we have talked in detail about what that looks like, tough times or training times. Um, point one was we're not immune from hardship. And I mentioned there, and I'm going to mention this every week, two kinds of suffering. I have to say this because some people haven't heard that what went before. Two kinds of suffering that uh, Jesus endured. He endured uh, substitutionary sufferings, that is, he, was, he vicariously became what we are so we could become what he is. He became our sin. Jesus became our sickness. He became everything we are so, th so that in him uh, we can have a relationship and fellowship with God. Jesus bore our sin, our shame, our, our sickness, our illness so that we could be free. So we don't have to suffer with that. And God, it is not the will of God for believers to suffer with sickness, disease, accidents, calamity, how many hear me? Because we live in the shadow of the Almighty. Is that true? Y'all hear, right? So, so having said that, what kind of suffering is it? Circumstantial suffering. Jesus was not immune from that, and we're not immune from that either. And so he had hard places he went through. In fact, one time he said, I don't even have a place to put my pillow. I don't have my own home. And so, you know, again, the scripture says he in all points was tempted like as we are yet without sin. So he went through grueling times circumstantially. We're immunized from what he did for us substitutionally, but not circumstantially. And that's where uh, that's character training. And that's where that comes in. Second uh, point I've made is our journey through life is often filled with hard places. It's just part of being on terra firma, planet earth. John 16, 33, Jesus said, these things have, uh, have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have hardship, tribulation, trouble, uh, stress, test, trial, according to what translation you read. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Thirdly, sometimes God allows us to go through a hard place. Sometimes God purposely leads you into a challenge, just like Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's challenging. Every time I read that in, in uh, uh, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Jesus was purposely led. Could it be that a loving God would purposely allow you to be in a place you'd rather not be? Well, the obvious answer is yes. Your parents, if you have good parents, they're going to put you in a place where you must do what you're supposed to do, even though it's uncomfortable. That's a good parent. If you have a parent that uh, it just answers your every whim, that is not a cool parent. That is a dumb parent. If you got a good parent, they're going to put you into place, put some stress on you a little bit. So it's good for you. And that's what God does. And we've mentioned what an eagle does uh, to her babies, uh, kicks them out of the nest uh, and picks them up over and over again just before they plummet to the ground and die uh, just so the muscles in their wings will uh, form and they can provide their own food. And that's what God does to us. We've talked about that in detail. Number four, our response during hard times, uh, during the tough times, determines what it produces 
in us. So we went over that last week. Do you see the cup half full or you see the cup half empty? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? God wants you to be an optimist because then all these things were more than a conqueror to him that loved us, right? And so, you know, if, you're not, if your mind's not trained, and that's according to probably the way you're raised. We talked about it last week, but, you know, optimist or pessimist. Uh, if you're a pessimist, you can change and become an optimist if you know the Word of God. When your mind gets renewed and you find out that if God be for us, who can be against us? And they di- didn't even spare His own Son to give us freely all things to enjoy. You know what? You got to become an eternal optimist, Right? And so when I came to Jesus, you know, I was the worst pessimist you could ever meet. And usually you don't like to talk to a pessimist because you say white, they say black. You say good, they say bad. That's just the way they are, you know. Uh, Philip's translation, I got to read this, even though I read it last week. When all kinds of trials, James 1, 2, Philip's translation. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my dear brothers, don't resent them as intruders. Welcome them as friends, hot dog. Realize they come to test your faith and produce in you quality of endurance. Let the process go on until the endurance is fully developed and you'll find that you, to, uh, you have become men of mature character, men of integrity with no weak spots, men gen- being generic for humankind. So again, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure we've developed yet to say uh, in the hard place, well, hello, friend, good to see you again. Come on in, have a seat. What you doing to me this time? What have I got to go through? But, you know, God sees it, that he's helping us grow and develop. Number five that I want to cover tonight is God will make a way for you when the test is on. You will get through it. And that's something you just got to know. Um, so so th- that that's important because that's what keeps us positive when the negatives of life hit hard. Our enemy wants us to focus on our circumstances. God wants us to focus on him and his promises. Is that true? So there's two ways that you can be encouraged and know you're going to get through it. Two things that God will use. And I actually sat down this afternoon and the Holy Spirit came right on me suddenly. And, and I had to add this next part. Uh, two things help you when the test is on. True friends and God's promises. And how many know you can make God's promises your friends? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about true friends. In fact, uh, yesterday we had a phenomenal meeting with our men at 6.30 in the morning. And we talked about just being a band of brothers and just, you know, encouraging each other and how much you need each other and yada, yada. It was just great. Wasn't it good? So it was awesome. So anyway, uh, I want to kind of cabbage onto that a little bit. Uh, you know, when, when you're having a, tr- a, a problem, a challenge, a stress, you're aggravated, the first thing you want to do is isolate. That's human behavior. I think that's the behavior of life. Uh, e- even when I was a kid, as I was prepared, I was thinking about, I, had tw- I know it's weird, I was out in the country with a big property, 21 cats when I got outside. And, you know, I count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, and I had names for most of them, you know. But uh, every once in a while, one's missing. And uh, uh, the grand mama cat, we called her Mammy. That's Mammy. And um, one time she was missing, and, and I found her, you know, when they built the house. We had a brick house, and, and, and we had some bricks off to the side. My dad had just, you know, left over and, and put them in a the stack. But they had a little hole in the middle of them. And, and I'd always, uh, if, I, I didn't, if I, somebody's missing, and, 
and Mama Cat was missing. So I went over to the brick place and peeped in there, sure enough, with a little flashlight, and there she was in the back. Uh, something, you know, sometimes something would bite her or she got sick, something she ate, felt nauseous, whatever, I don't know. But that cat isolated. And I noticed my dog would do the same thing. And you notice that about your animals too, right? And we do the same thing. When you're not feeling good, you leave me alone. Just shut up, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, don't bother me. We're just kind of that way. But you know, that's the worst thing you can do. If you're going through a long test, a prolonged time of duress, you need people in your life. Yes or no? You know, if you're married, don't isolate from your spouse. Now, you know, and if you're married, you can tell your spouse is having a hard time, but this dumb thing to do, what's wrong with you? Get up. Come on. Let's shout. Just leave. Just look. How about a hug? Can, can I get you a, a cup of tea? Can I get you a cup of coffee? Can I, can I get you something? We're going to do for you. You know, uh, don't beat them. Don't browbeat them, but you know, don't isolate too. Proverbs got three scripture. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. Everybody say it. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We help each other. And that's the way God's created life to be. I should have put down Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. So how many know we need each other? And we, we need each other deeply and desperately. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In Proverbs 18, 24, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than, than a brother. And since the Holy Spirit just tagged me and reminded me, here's Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Uh, here we go. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two, two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Just do a little test. You can take a piece of string. I can easily, you know, take a piece of string and, and tear it, you know. Two pieces, I can actually tear two pieces. But you, you, you triple braid that dude. You try to pull that. That, that. That's a little more difficult. It takes a lot more exertion because there's strength in numbers. Is that true? So, again, that's why we need each other and we need never forget that, particularly when we're going through a, a, a really hard place. Um, I was also reminded of Acts chapter 4. You know, uh, all, let me say this. All, often uh, the enemy will attack you at the, at the place of your greatest victories. And that's when you're most susceptible. It's, it's crazy how it works, you know. I mean, you, you just thought you hung the moon in the sky with some help from others. And it's like hip, hip, hooray. And then the next day, something happens. And, and all, life is often that way. Um, and, and that was certainly the way it was with uh, Peter and John. They just had a man healed that was almost 40 years at one of the gates of the temple there in Jerusalem, and he was completely healed. He had never walked, and suddenly he got all up and in his feeble way began to walk, and the more he walked, the better he got, and everybody saw it. It was a notable miracle because everybody knew the guy. And uh, so here's what happened. Look, and I want you to notice there's one reason I'm reading this, and it's because of the need for friends when you're having a hard time. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, that being the, the religious officials of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. 
and they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with him, they could say nothing against it, but when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it, so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them uh, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. I mean, you know that name of Jesus has power. Uh, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But pe- Now, that's demon spirits. Anybody tells you not to use the name of Jesus, devils. Uh, I mean, devils, when you start talking about Jesus, they get nervous, right? So if you got a devil in you, you get nervous if somebody talk about Jesus. Come out in Jesus' name, right? So, uh, so, uh, so um, 16. What shall we do to these men for indeed a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. So, so that it spread no further, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them, commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we can't but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, there's a place to listen to authorities. But when an authority tells you to disobey the Bible, disobey the Word of God, disobey the commandment of God, that's when you say, you do what you need to do, I do what I need to do. I'm going to obey Him, right? Uh, Verse uh, 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Uh, of punishing them because of the people since they glorified God for what had been done. Well, for the man was over 40 years old to whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions. Would you please say own companions? I like it. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and, and they began to pray. And so they went to their own companions. And you know what? When you're in a hard place, one of the best things you can have in your repertoire of things is your own companions. Question, who are your companions? Who are the people that you can confide in? Uh, I did a a blog on uh, friendship here just a few days ago. And, you know, you can't have lots. I think we talked about friendship in one of our in one of our men's meetings on Tuesday a couple of weeks ago. You can't have lots of friends. You don't have time. Uh, But you know what? Uh, You can have lots of acquaintances and varying levels, but close friendships, it takes a lot of time to develop that. Is that true? But but, but so, so, so what friends in your life, who in your life when you're having a hard time, you can just say, can I just talk? And, and, and they won't demean you. They won't fuss at you. They won't try to correct you. They just listen. Everybody needs that kind of ear on a friend. Is that true? Everybody needs it. Everybody, that's right. So what, what are you, who are you? Those are your companions. So Paul and Peter and John, they went to their own company. And so, the, and, and you know what? They listened and said, well, you know what? Sounds like a prayer meeting we need. And they started praying. And they prayed so fervently that the room shake, shook. The power of God came. And Peter's shadow began to heal people. It was an amazing time. So again, there's power in being with others. Um, let me mention this again, and I'm going to mention this. Probably one of the most difficult times in my personal life was um, 30-something years ago when I started a church in a small town in South Carolina. I was 30 years old. I, in fact, um, yeah, you know what? Actually, I was 29 and actually turned 30 the next month after I started the church. So, you know, I was pretty young, and, 
and uh, inexperienced in a lot of ways. But, you know, I had a lot of faith. I was ready. I was ready. I mean, if God told me to do anything, I'd go run and do it. So started that little church in the town. I was all by myself. Now, you know, you start a church. You got church planters with you, and you got somebody that's going to lead the praise and worship, somebody do the children and youth, and you got somebody to help you out. But back then, way back then, <laughs> dude, you on, you're on your own. That's the way it was. So, you know, you took your faith and what you got, took your family, went started church. So did that in that small town. And uh, uh, it went south real fast. It was really hard. And I spent all of my savings. It was really, really challenging. I had nobody to encourage me for a period of time, and it was really something. But, but I found during that time, I found uh, a friend. Somebody called me and said, you know, there's a group of pastors meeting uh, once a month in a pastor's home in a, a city in North Carolina, Chadburn. And I said, well, we, I want you to come. I, I think you should go. One of my friends told me about it. I said, well, and I need that. So I, you know, it was probably a 30, 45 minute drive from the city I was in. I took off every month and I went to that pastor's house. And you know what I found out? All these pastors, we probably had 10 or 15 pastors from, you know, the eastern part of South Carolina where I was. And, and they would sit there and, you know, we sat in a circle and this, this guy would say, I just want y'all to pray for me. I said, I've got this challenge. And this other guy spoke up and said, well, I've got this I've never had to deal with before. And there's this other guy, he said something. And every one of them had something. And I'd never been in a group of people that even admitted they had problems because, you know, we thought we had all the world problems solved. When I was a kid, we found out we did. And I said, wow, this is amazing. I left that place time after time. And the guys had prayed for each other. They encouraged each other. And I personally, that was one of the most difficult times of my life. I really had a hard time opening up my hard shell and saying, y'all, please pray for me. I've started a brand new church and I don't know what in the world I'm doing help, <laughs> so to speak. I'm hurting. This is tough. It's not going the way I thought it would. But I'm telling you, they ministered life to me. Uh, it was month after month after month after month. And I found strength in that. And uh, I can't encourage you enough. This is not a time to isolate. The challenge that I sense in my heart is something that so many people post-COVID have isolated. Now, you know what? They're trying to bring that. You know they're trying to bring that back up again, right? A question, are you going to isolate or are you going to insulate yourself inside from fear? And do what God's called you to do. Because the enemy's going to try to shut, shut things down again. I, I'm not going to fall into it. I encourage you not to fall into the trap. And uh, uh, mental health is at an all-time low in the United States of America. In fact, I read a stat today that, um, if it's correct, it seems amazing. Uh, the number one nation in the world with depression is Ukraine. You figure that out. <laughs> Second nation is United States. Whoa, that blew me away. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Uh, people taking drugs try to deal with the problems and the depression and the challenge they feel inside. So uh, we need each other. And so if the enemy tries to lock things down again, I'm not, gonna, I'm not locking down. We need each other. You need people. And uh, we need to make plans for that. How many hear me? So uh, my friends... My friends have helped me all my life and uh, deeply appreciated the friendships I've had. You know, back uh, six, seven years ago, I made some changes in our church and the way we do church life. It was a very difficult period for me without going on all the weeds of it. Most of you have heard some of that, but uh, the Lord really sovereignly dealt with me about making some changes in how we um, manage the church, and I did. Uh, it cost me. It cost me personally uh, more, more than I, I even thought it would at all 
and and it kind of uh, it kind of uh, surprised me so much and and it was such a hard time mentally and emotionally now you know I know how to smile and I know how to cast my cares but if you'd come up to me personally knowing that what I was going through and asked me uh, pastor how you doing I would have said to you this is the biggest struggle I've ever faced in my life and let me tell you how I got through I got through it I had some friends I would call and talk to that would talk to me on the phone. I had several that I went to, a couple that I went to. One friend, I drove three hours just to meet this guy for lunch. You know why? Because I knew he would give me his ear and just let me talk. And I knew he wouldn't blame me. He wouldn't fuss at me. He wouldn't give me answers. He'd just listen to me. You know, and we'd spend the afternoon, we'd talk, we'd eat lunch. And, you know, it's three hours there, three hours back. I spent several hours with it, took all day. But you know what? On the way back, I, I wept and I said, God, thank you for friends. Friends mean a lot to me. And I want to encourage you. You need friends when you're in a hard place. Woe be to the person that has no friends. So if you don't have friends, you can make friends. And, you know, we got small groups here. We're starting up small groups next month. Be a part of a small group. If you're a guy, as long as you're a guy, 630 on Tuesdays, you can meet some friends. And we have a great time. So I encourage you, meet with your friends, be with friends. And uh, that was uh, something that helped me a lot. You know, change, let me say this. I mentioned this yesterday. Change produces pain. If you're in an era of change in your life, change produces pain, right? So so you may be changing from, maybe your pain is you're, you're a single person because something happened to your marriage or, or maybe your pain is your, your spouse deceased. Or maybe your pain is, um, or maybe your pain is your vocation changed. Or maybe your pain is uh, your children have grown up and went to college to have their own lives now and you're by yourself. See, that's, see, see change produces pain. And the degree of pain that, that change brings um, is, is determined by, by the depth of the change. How deep it is, you know. Your, your tires can do well on your car for tens of thousands of miles uh, unless you're in a curvy mountainous area and you like to go fast around the curves. You're laying some, you're laying some rubber on the road, right? And so you're wearing your tires out. And so, again, think about change in tires. If you're putting friction on that tire, the friction of change produces pain. You get it? So what kind of pain are you in? Uh, regardless, we need Friends, friends have keep kept me on the straight path, the level path. Um, uh, J. Oswald Sanders, in his book Spiritual Leadership, made this comment. Uh, he has a chapter entitled "A Leader and His uh, Friends," and a leader in his reading. And in one of those chapters, he made this comment: "The person you are five years from now, and I never forgot this, will be determined by the kind of books you read." So, so how about read this one a whole lot, right? The Bible. Uh, and the kinds of friends you entertain. So uh, I've, I've, I've paid attention to that. And uh, you want some good choice friends around you. If you have a friend, you know what? When I was a young boy, I asked the Lord, I, I, when I came to Jesus, I had to leave my friends alone because they were druggies. They, they smoked pot. They did, did all kinds of things that go along with that. And, uh, you know, when I came to Jesus, that's all I knew. These guys, these guys went to church with me or in youth group with me. You know, I started school with these guys. Some of them I knew before I even went to school, age three, age four. And uh, when I came to Jesus after a period of time, I saw the writing on the wall. This ain't working, you know. 
evil companionships corrupt good morals and manners and, and uh, you know, and lifestyle. So I had to make a change. And, uh, and it was a, a, a kind of a lonely time. And I said, God, I was sitting in my bedroom in my mother's house. I was, you know, 19 years old. I said, God, I just need a friend. I need a friend. I need friends. Because I've had to leave some of these guys back. I still like them, uh, but I can't hang out with them like I did. And you know what God did? God answered that prayer. And you know he'll answer that prayer for you. So I want to encourage you. How, know, how many know friends are really important? Second thing that will be an encouragement to let you know you're going to make it through a hard place is God will show you through his word that you will make it through the hard place. How many hear me? Now, this is really, really important. So um, pressure time again, back 30 years ago, starting that church in that small town. Uh, you've heard me say this so many times. There's actually one small brief period of time I had an insurance policy, and I kept thinking, you know, you know, Susan and the kids had three at the time. Susan and the kids can make it on that money right there. Hmm. Wonder how I can pull this off. I was talking about letting killing myself. That's terrible. That's terrible. Now you know, if you talk to people, everybody's had those thoughts. A lot of people have had those thoughts. But but where you get serious is when you plan how you're going to do it. When I started figuring out how, all I could think of is, what if it don't work? <laughs> and then I maimed the rest of my life. How dumb is that? And then besides that, when I got, let me tell you what happened. I, I don't mind being vulnerable. Listen, when I had those thoughts and I was, you know, 30, how old was I when I had those thoughts? I was probably 32. You know, when those thoughts came to me, y'all, I mean, it's like, whoa. Listen, I've never had those thoughts before, but it was because of the pressure, right? You're trying to, to get rid of the pressure. And, and then listen, if you feel, and like I mentioned Sunday, if you feel hopeless, Hopelessness is a terrible thing. If you feel like there's no way of escape out of where you are, you're looking for an outlet. You're looking for a way. And, and see your mind to do crazy things. And that's, that's, that's where I found myself. But it's just what I'm so grateful for. If you have the Holy, and you do, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He is such, I don't even know how to describe him. He's the most patient person I've ever met in my life. And, uh, and he's the most um, understanding person I've ever met. At the same time, I tell you he can be a bull. <laughs> and he'll just, what are you doing? I was on my, uh, my, Susan was at work. The kids were in school. And I was in this time of, oh, God, life is hard. I don't see a way out. And my mind was messing with me. My emotions were messing with me. And, uh, and I was sitting on my bed in my bedroom. It's about 10 o'clock in the morning. I want to say it was a Friday, and I was sitting in my bedroom, and uh, I, I was just thinking about all that, and, you know, woe is me. And I heard the Holy Spirit. He is such I just don't have words for him. All he said was, get up. I said, huh? Huh? Who said that? Get up. I mean, he was upset with me because I entertained wrong thinking. Get up, get your Bible, get up. That's what I heard inside. Get up, get your Bible, and go outside. I mean, just that firmly. To start with, I was kind of offended, like, you ought not be talking to me like that. You know, just like, wait a minute. And then, you know, I said, well, that is the Holy Spirit. He's talking to me. You know, when he speaks to you, it's right here. And you don't, it's not like words. You just know what he's saying. And it was like, get up. It was so firm. Get up. And I got my Bible. So, oh, okay. I got up, walked down the hall, 
walked outside. We had 10 oak trees in my backyard. 10, big, you know, good trees. And he said, open your Bible. And y'all, I'm not, I, I never had this experience before nor since. Uh, open my Bible, and I'm going to read to you what he gave me. What he gave, in a minute, what he gave me was hope. And he showed me through his word that as hard as life is, somehow it's going to work out for me. God will make sure that it works out. You hear what I'm saying? And before, and what was he doing? He had to give me hope. So let me, let me go back to something I mentioned Sunday. If, if you're hopeless, you cannot have faith. Did y'all hear that? If you're hopeless, faith won't work. I've gone, I had a hospital ministry back in 1980, uh, one, two, two, visited five hospitals in the Tulsa area. And, uh, and I learned real quickly that I went in the hospital room and, and sometimes it was people who didn't attend our church, but family members and yeah, friends and such. And, and sometimes the people just didn't want you there. You know, they figure that out pretty quick too. But, but I get in there and, and, and I, I would just, you know, introduce myself and, you know, you got to learn how many know if you're going to, uh, you're going to reach people, you just got to learn how to be winsome and kind and friendly. And, and how to engage people in conversation. Well, I, gave, I would engage them in, in conversation and uh, just, just to find out about them a little bit and talk about, you know, just surface things and family and whatever. And, um, and, and, but what I'm talking to them, I'm, I'm listening inside. And, and many times I found that I couldn't, the person wasn't ready for me to pray for them yet for healing because they had no hope. And many times I just had to instill in them the fact that God wanted to help them. He wanted to answer prayer and he wanted to heal, heal them, but they couldn't see that. Does that make sense? So sometimes you pray too quickly. You impart hope before you pray the prayer of faith. You got to do that in your own life. For me, there's a big challenge. I got to get my, I got, do I have hope? Do I think that things can be better? Or am I so enmeshed into this problem that I don't see any way out of it? See, see, there's no hope in that. And, and, and you got to, you got to deal with hopelessness. You know, David did that. If you go back to Psalm 42, he kept telling himself, hope in God. He's the help of your countenance. He's your God because people are rising up against him. And he saw his, himself and his situation as impossible. But God had to inspire him with hope that things can change, that things can be different. And we'll talk more about that later. But the idea is you got to have hope. Hope comes from the word. God gave me hope as I walked in my yard that day. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled. It's a tree of life. And what happened for me? You know, here's what happens with life. You have, you have in your mind something that you're going to do, and, and you have this, this, this unreal ideology of how it's going to work out. And it, it, mostly, life never goes the way you planned, you know. You can have children and think, well, it's going to go this way. It don't go that way. You can get married. It don't go that way, right? Uh, you can age and, and your job, your, your pr uh, profession doesn't go that way. And so, you know, you can let disappointments come in. How many know a disappointment is an appointment with God? So if you don't let your disappointments become appointments with God, they can put you down. So, so for me, I've had, what I've done in my life is, okay, God, I, I don't see a way out of this. You got to help me. And I was, I was here that day and he gave me hope and he gave me hope through his word. And we're going to talk about it just before we close just now. Um, but, but you got to have hope and you've got to find a way to, to see that there's a way of escape, way out of your issue, way out of your situation. If you don't think or feel that, 
you got to say, God, you, you, you got to help me. And that's when I learned that the most important thing in life is uh, have an inroad to God where you can pour your heart out. Don't have a religious relationship, have a heart relationship. So um, Philippians 4, 6, J.B. Phillips translation, don't worry over anything, whatever. Tell God every detail of your need in sincere and thankful prayer. Many has been the time, okay, God, we got to talk. I just got to talk. And it's almost, okay, what is it? And, uh, and, and he'd begin to talk, and I'd begin to say, okay, this is a problem. This, uh, I got to do this, this, that. I don't know what to do with that. that. That that didn't work out. That didn't work out. I don't see any way for that to work out. What am I going to do? Now, I ask you specifically to show me. See? Sometimes if, you don't, if you're hopeless, you've got to get, say, God, show me which way to go with this. What do I do? And then you've got to be willing to be patient enough to wait. Faith and patience inherits the promises. Listen, I went through that building, this building over here. Jesus, help me now. <laughs> I had to repent a hundred times. I got so angry. I'm not kidding because it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And you know what? That's what I did. I just poured myself in. I said, help me, Lord. So there I'm in my bedroom. Let's go back when I was 32. I'm in my bedroom. I'm thinking about how to end my life because I got an insurance policy. And I didn't even tell Susan all this. I, she never knew it. And I had to be strong for her because we got three kids and they're, they're small and they demand all of our time, all of our time when we're home. And uh, it's like, Jesus, help us now. And uh, you know what I found out? I found out if you pull your heart out and say, God, help me, that when you're at a heart, you're in a pickle, he'll help you. So I had, I had been doing that. He knew that I was in a bad place mentally, emotionally. And that's when he said, get up, okay? So let me, let me mention this in passing, uh, Hebrews 6, 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope gives your mind something that stabilizes it. Did you just hear what I said? And God had to give me hope during that time when I just wanted to end my life to stabilize my mind because I didn't see a way out of my pickle I, I had created to some degree for myself. So here are the scriptures that God gave me. I'd encourage you to write them. But my notes are online. All of this is already printed. You can copy it off and uh, you can, you know, uh, save it a digi in digital form. I read these. I still read these scriptures, and he gave them to me. I would say supernatural. I just went to the book of Psalms, and over and over again, God's word, and over the years, I've looked up different translations. Psalm 27, 5 was the first one. He hides me in his shelter when there's trouble. That means God lets you in his house. Isn't that good? He keeps me hidden in his tent. He sets me high on a rock. You know what the psalmist was saying there? The trouble's everywhere. God's got you. He's your housemate. He's letting you stay in his house. He's going to provide for you and keep things from happening that will, that will mess your life up and tear you apart. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Passion Translation, even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. Let me just mention this in passing. Uh, a lot of times we, we stumble, we, we cause ourselves to stumble. Something bad will happen. We're doing what we think we're supposed to do. Somebody responds the wrong way. And then the first reaction of human nature is to blame God. God, why'd you let that happen? So let's get real. Sometimes my problems are self-created. Sometimes my problems are because of what somebody else failed to do. And then sometimes my problems are because I'm in a fallen world. And this is the truth. And you got to own it. If it's a failure of yours, you got to forgive yourself. 
And if there's somebody else that's let you down, you've got to let it go and let it drop. And that might be one of the hardest things we do. When somebody do, and the worst kind is when somebody does it on purpose. They knew what they were doing. Boy, you can sulk and get, get into self-pity and get aggravated and stay that way for a long Is that true? You got to find a way to let that go. And for me, I pour my heart out. I tell God the good, the bad, the ugly. I tell them exactly what I think about that person, <laughs> what they said, what they did, what they shouldn't have done. Or myself, I've had to forgive myself. How could I be such an I've even called myself names. He said, don't you call, don't you call my creation names. Wait, 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 back up, back up, buddy. And, and then sometimes it's just the circumstance hems you in. Sometimes you can't keep that from happening. But see, God's always good. And that's what you got to know, right? Even when bad things happen to the God, good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. Isn't that great? Psalm 37, 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. Verse 40, and the Lord will help them and deliver them. I wept when I read these things, walking under those 10 oak trees. Uh, the Lord shall help them, deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Psalm, and this same verse, a passion translation. But the Lord will be the savior of all who love him. Even in their time of trouble, God will live in them as strength. Man, I read that. Oh, yeah, there, there you go right there. When you have no strength, when yours is gone, he'll rise up inside of you. That's what that verse is saying. Verse 40, because of their faith in him, their daily portion will be a father's help and deliverance from evil. This is true for all who turn to hide themselves in him. And Psalm 46 is so good. God is our, amplifies the best. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. Isn't that good? Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. There's no more positive assertion in the English language than I will or I shall. God says it. That's exactly what he's going to do. Psalm 86 verse 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you for you will answer me. Then Psalm 91, very familiar, verse 14, because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's talking about the believer who trusts in the Lord. Then Romans 8, 37, New Testament. Yet I mean, all these things were more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. My uh, pastor in Tulsa, first job I had in ministry with, uh, second really was Bobby Anden uh, at Grace Church in Tulsa. And he would mention Roman, uh, Revelation 13, 8, Jesus being the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he would always, he said this umpteen times. Uh, he would say, you know, if Jesus is the lamb slain, before the world was created, that means God had the answer to your problem before your problem ever existed because your answer is in Christ. Isn't that good? So see, that gives me hope that it looks like I, there's not an answer. It's in him and he'll show you what to do. He'll make a way of escape. Is that good? So, so for me, I read these scriptures and that day, you know, back, uh, that was probably 1990. Walking back and forth, you know, and uh, saying, "God, I don't, I, I just don't see a way out of this. This is hard." I've, uh, you know, I, I went from a, a city of, uh, 
I think at the time, Tulsa had 500,000 to a city of 6,000. We had almost 5,000 people in our church. I went to a city of 6,000. I had hundreds of friends, hundreds and hundreds of friends. I was, I was uh, doing everything a pastor did except being the pastor of a church. And then I come to a little town all by myself, isolated alone. Masters and Johnson has a stress list. It's about 20 items on it, and I counseled for a long time, and I kept that with me. And I got that list out one day. I had everything but death and divorce on that list in my life. And, and that helped me quantify and understand why I was having a hard time. So, listen, you may be struggling, and, you know, you may be here tonight and say, well, everything's fine. But you know what? Here's, here's the way life is. You can be doing good today, but tomorrow morning something happens, and life is different. That's why you always need to be ready always need to be prepared. How many hear what I'm saying? So, and, and God wants, you, listen, you're watching me. Listen, God is not through with your life. You, you're only beginning. I, I, you know, here's a person, you're listening and you're older and you think your best days are behind you. Uh, 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 uh. Your best days are ahead of you if you let Jesus in, if you let the Lord in. Now, if you do it on your own, you're going to struggle like you've been struggling, but you know, the Lord has a plan. And I found out God's got a plan of victory for every life. How many hear me? Get these scriptures. I mean, listen, download them, get them, read them over and over and over. I've read, I read these scriptures, still read them over and over and over. Because there's some days it's like, why did I get up today? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody has those days. If you don't have a day like that, then you're not human. Everybody has that. Even a successful person has those days, but you learn to look beyond the thoughts. You learn to live beyond the feelings and you live by faith in God's word, right? It, he, he always comes through. He always works. He always, he always does what he said. Even if it doesn't seem to be, even if it doesn't look like it or feel like it, even though you're in, in long duress, this problem is of long nature. You know, God will make a way for you, but you've got to trust. How many hear me? So close your eyes a minute. Come on. <laughs> Just lift your hands up. Glory to God. We worship you, sir. We worship you, sir. Hallelujah. We worship you, sir. Glory to God. Praise you, sir. Praise you, sir. Lord, with our hands lifted up, we just want to acknowledge you right now. Some of us, life is all right. Others, life is tough. Some of us, a lot of us are in between. So dear Father God, let that help that you promised come in this room. And Lord, let the Spirit of God awaken in every life and let Him draw us to you. Let us sense you. Let us be aware of your word and your promises and your steadfastness, sir. We worship you, sir. We worship you, sir. We worship you, sir. We worship you, sir. Just begin to worship. Don't play anything yet. A song may come up, and I can't hear it if there's music. Worship you. We worship you. Glory to God, we just worship you. Sometimes, you know, you just sit in the presence of God. You don't feel anything. But that's just what you do. Lord, I worship you and bless you. Thank you for all of your love and mercy and goodness. Thank you for your kindness. And Lord, just before we leave here tonight, Lord, anything that we have done that would hinder our fellowship, forgive us. And dear Father God, we lay ourselves before the throne of God.
The Lord would just make a choice. You may need to pray this like I'm praying. Lord, if there's any person here and, and something's happened and they're blaming themselves, Lord, help them to let it go. In Jesus' name, let the Holy Spirit rise up in them and help them to let it go. Forgive themselves. Lord, those who are in that, uh, in that place where someone else, it's someone else's actions that have produced where they are. Help them to forgive and let it go. You forgive us and we forgive others the way you forgive us. Thank you. And then, Lord, some of us find ourselves where we are and it's just life on this planet. Help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God, we worship you, son. We worship you, son. We worship you, son. We worship you, son. Hallelujah. Lord, you're ministering to every person in this room. Lord, grant hope. Let a spark of hope, an ember of hope rise up in Jesus' name. Ha-ha, in Jesus' name. There is a way when you think you just can't make it. There is a way when you think you just can't take it this very day. There's a way with the Lord. We have a God that can move any mountain. He is our King. And His love's a flowing fountain this very day. There's a way with the Lord this very day. There is a way with the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a young person you're watching online. You've been ditched by somebody that you thought loved you. Wasn't loved to start with. Somebody that loves you won't take advantage of you. Let them go. God's got somebody so much better. Give your heart to Jesus. Let him feel, feel the oil. There's nobody that can love you enough to please everything that needs to be pleased in you. Jesus can satisfy you. the older person whose life is behind them. Lord, I pray for the older person whose life is behind them. Let them see that it can be that their best days are ahead because you can use them to minister to others. Ha, in Jesus' name. See, when I start praying here, I feel things. So, Lord, the person who's been jilted by their family, 
their family's not doing what they should. They don't have the right kind of relationship with family. Let your grace come, Lord. Enable them to forgive and feel the lonely spot. Feel the empty spot with yourself. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Help us to reach out to you, sir. Help us to reach out. Huh. There's another person you're dealing with finances. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, God will make a way for you. It looks impossible. He'll make a way. You got, you got to make up your mind. I'm going to be a giver. I'm, I'm going to think about others more than I think about me. If you'll do that, God, God will do something big. So, Lord, there's a person. They're concerned about finances. Help them make a way, Lord. Huh. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, we're just going to close the service with that. If, uh, if you're in the room and you're watching, you know, uh, Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of God. He died, the Bible says, in our place for our sins, in our stead. We cannot go to heaven. The default of life is hell. Do nothing, you go straight to hell when you die. Uh, we are spirit beings. We live eternally. The major part of life is after this life. It's in eternity. We're spirit beings. can only go to heaven if you know Jesus Christ because we're sinners. All of us have sinned and failed God's glorious standards. All of us have. But thank God we can be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So if you can do what I did. I, I prayed and gave my life to Jesus just before I left my teenage years. I don't care how old you are or young you are. You're watching. You can do this. You're in a hard place. But don't do it just because you're in a hard place. You're in a hard place because you know, we live in a fallen world. But you know what? It's a tougher place to live without God. It's an even tougher place to die without him. So pray with me. Say, what do I do? Acknowledge your sin, repent, make a decision. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. Everybody in the room, would you pray with those, uh, somebody watching, that Jesus wants to transform your life. If you let him, you got to repent. That means change your mind by how you live in your life. If you do that and give your life to Jesus, you really do. He'll make a grand difference. He'll change your life forever. Everybody pray with me. You pray with me. You need this prayer, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I'm wrong, I've sinned, and I ask forgiveness. Jesus Christ, I believe in you, that you're the virgin-born Son of God, that you died for my sin, that you're raised from the dead. And Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me a new person. Right now, I give myself to you. Help me for the rest of my life. Walk with you. In Jesus' name. Everybody lift your hands one more time. And, and you're watching online. Lift your hands. I know it sounds weird. You know, you kind of it's like you're submitting to God. I tell you, he'll meet you. You won't need the drugs. You won't need the sex. You, you won't need the smoking. You won't need the, the alcohol. You'll, 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 you, he'll take the place of it. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.